<coughs> okay, we are working our way through the, uh, we call it the masters of the oral tradition. Um, we mentioned already a number of times that Rambam, in his, uh, in his uh, preface or his introduction to his book of Halacha, goes through the basic steps of the oral tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu until the writing of Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, which is, as we said, the, in a sense, the most significant um, and binding book of, of oral tradition. Um, and the Rambam breaks it down into 40 generations. He counts out the people, name by name, person by person, the 40 generations or the 40 people, the Sadiqim, that were responsible and instrumental for keeping the transmission of the oral Torah and keeping it in its purity and its entirety. Um, I think we are holding in our list by number 25. By number 25. We just said Yosef Ben Yo Ezer, but I don't think we said right. Yosef Ben Yo Ezer. Right. We just mentioned him, right? right. So um, even though in the past few times, sometimes I just ran through all the names at the beginning, I'm not going to do that again. We have too many names behind us. Um, but I'm just going just gonna to mention back a few from the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash. Because you'll remember that as we're going through these Sadiqim, really the the horizon is changing for the Jewish people. I mean, the history is shifting. So a lot of our conversation till this point in time, um, there was a, a whole part of conversation until the building of the first base of Mikdash. And that's when you had, you know, people like Shmuel HaNavi and David HaMelech. Then we had a big portion, which was during the first base of Mikdash. And that was a number of, um, of uh, Nevi'im and Sadiqim who were the leaders during the time of the first base of Mikdash. That all finished the last one um, of the first Beis HaMikdash era was Yirmiyahu Hanavi, who was number 20 on our list. If we count down, Yirmiyahu was 20, and he was called the Navi HaChurban. He was the prophet that prophesied the Churban, and we discussed him. So he was the one that really ended the era of the first Holy Temple, the first Beis HaMikdash. He was followed, and this is just a little bit of review. He was followed, number 21, was his disciple and successor, Baruch. Baruch ben Neiria, who is talked about a lot in Tanakh, and many of the stories of Yirmiyahu, he's accompanied by his disciples. I mean, uh, Yirmiyahu and Baruch is almost like Moshe and Yehoshua. Same idea. He was his disciple, he was his Talmud and his successor. Um, Baruch ben Neiria was followed by number 22, and that was the great Ezra. Ezra Hasofer, Ezra the scribe, Ezra the Kohen. Um, Ezra is going to lead that great group that we discussed last week, the Anshik Nessus Agdola, the men of the great assembly, one of the great um, Jewish leaders of Klal Yisrael historically. So he was number 22. He headed, of course, this, this great body of rabbis and tzaddikim. We mentioned some of their names, but as we pointed out many times, a lot of these names are, are great tzaddikim in their time, but they're not counted as one link in the chain because we always only count the one central, the one leader of that time. So, after Ezra, we come to the end of the era of Anshik Nessus Agdola. We're already, now we already built the second Beis HaMikdash. We've, we've shifted from first Beis HaMikdash to the Golos, the Babylonian exile, which was a short exile, 70 years. Um, short, I guess, in comparison anyway. Um, and now we've done, we've dealt with Ezra, the men of the Great Assembly, the building of the Second Holy Temple. So now, number 23 was Shimon Hatzadik. 
right? Um, Shimon HaTzadik, who is also a Kohen and also a Kohen Gadol, um, a tremendous Tzadik. We discussed the uh, fascinating story of Shimon with um, Alexander the Great, Alexander of Macedonia, um, and he was number 23. He was the last standing member of the Anshik Nessus Hagdola. Okay, after that we moved on to number 24, and that was Antignos. Antignos Ish Soho, who lived in a city called Soho. And we also um, mentioned, pointed out, that his name is an interesting name in Torah. Antignos, which is really, more than anything, a Greek name, Antigones. And that is very much um, a, an expression of what was going on at the time. Because this is the time when the Greeks and the Jews are best friends, um, for better or for worse, uh, more for worse than for better. Uh, tremendous amount of assimil- assimilation going on, but you have Greek names becoming the names even of great Sadikim, even the leader of the time, and that was Antignos Isocha. And I think we left off with discussing that some of his disciples became the forerunners of the Sadokim, the Sadducees, and those who wouldn't accept the oral tradition and ultimately really remove themselves from normative Judaism, the normative Torah Judaism, and they became very much um, part of the Hellenists and the friends of the Greeks. So that was where we really ended off last week, and that is 24. Now, the next five steps, 25, 6, 7, 8, and 9, is going to be something interesting we're going to have, and that is called the era of the Zugos. A zug means a couple or a peer. A peer. A peer, peer, right? I I always say peer wrong. I don't know the right way. (laughs) I don't mean the thing that you eat. Like a peer. I said it right? Okay. It could be confusing. I don't know. Um, But for five successive generations of leaders, the Jewish people are going to be led by two rabbonim together. Um, And they were called a zug. A peer, a peer of two rabbanim. Um, one had the position that was called the position of the nasi, or the prince or the leader, and the other was called the av base din, the head of the base din. Um, it's not entirely clear why those five generations had this this, this double or the sheared leadership. Um, what I've read from hist- many historians um, suggest. It was because of the difficulties of the time. Because, again, and we'll see soon, it was really a bad time. This is, the story of Hanukkah happens during this time. This is, one higher up than the other? So the, the Nasi was the ultimate figure of prominence. But they, they worked together. And in Pirkei Avos, it, it says that. These next five generations in Pirkei Avos, it puts them together. The pure as the, as the teachers. It's actually pair. I thought you were saying a different word. Pure. I thought you were saying yeah. it's not a pair. Yeah. Yeah. It is a pair. So I know I say it wrong, right? Pair is like where you go. Oh, that's another thing. You're peer. You're peer. You're peer. Like you're equal. But I think you're peer. P-A-I-R. Pair. A pair. A pair of socks, a pair of shoes. A pair of shoes. At the end it came out, right? No, no. Okay, so who is the first one of those? So, and again, it's in the Pirkei Avos, in our sitter, 
but it's Yosef ben Yoezer. Yosef or Yosef? So it's really, his name was Yosef, but he's called Yosi. Yosi is typically a shortened name for Yosef. But if you look in Pirkei Avos, it's going to say Yosi or Yosei. But it's really, the name is Yosef. Okay. Ben Yoezer. He was the Nasi and he was a Kohen as well, as many of the Sadiqim are. He's the Nasi. Right. And Yosef ben Yochanan. Right. In fact, is there a sitter handy here? If you if if you if you get more than one, then others will also be able to see. So if you look in Pirkei Avos, which Pirkei Avos is printed right after Mincha of Shabbos, um, chapter 1, in this particular sitter, I'm looking now at page 211. It's after the Mincha of Shabbos. Exactly. So is that 211 by you as well? Yeah. Okay. 211. Does everyone have it? Okay. So if you look at, you know, even well, let's go back for a second. You remember the first Mishnah of Pir, the first Mishnah of Pirkei Avos is like this crash course. Right. So let, let's 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 just uh, quick like uh, let's skim through something. The first Mishnah starts. Moshe received the Torah at Sinai, passed it on to Yehoshua. Yeshua to the elders, the elders to the prophets, and the prophets to Yanshe Knesset Hagdola. So that just wrapped up about 20 generations in one Mishnah. Right? Clearly the Mishnah wasn't interested here in going through all the prophets and all of those steps of our, of our history, because the Mishnah is going directly to the sages of the Mishnah. Okay? Mishnah 2 starts with the words, Shimon HaTzadik was the last of the Knesset Hagdola. And on our page he was number 23. Right? Go to the beginning of Mishnah 3. Antignos ish socho. Kibil, excuse me, Mishiman HaTzadik. Antignos was our number 24. Right? Okay. Let's go to the next Mishnah, which is Mishnah Dalet. Of course, the Mishnah in Pirkei is not a history book, so it's more interested in telling us the halachas that they said. But I'm just focusing on the people here. So Mishnah Dalet starts, Yosei ben Yoezer ish Sereda. Yosei, son of Yoezer, from the city of Tzereda. The mm-hmm. Yosei ben Yochanan ish Yerushalayim. Yosei, son of Yochanan, from Yerushalayim. Kiblu mehem, they received from the earlier Bezdim, from the earlier Chachamim. So therefore they together become step number 25 in our chain of transmitters of Torah. And they, again, they shear that number together because they served as that pair together 
um, of Klal Yisrael, we said before, one being the Nasi, the prince, and one being the Av Bezdin, who, um, when it came to Dintura and so on, was the one who's in charge of that. Um, and they go on to say the various halachas that they do in Mishnah 4 and Mishnah 5. Mishnah 4 is devoted to Yosef ben Yoazer's statements, and Mishnah 5 is devoted to Yosef ben Yochanan's statements. Um, but just to give you a, a little taste of what's going on at this time, um, and again, this is not going to be happy stuff, but as I said, this is the time when really the majority of the Jewish people are going to be more Hellenist. Um, I said very last time, and I mentioned this time, this is the backdrop for the story of Hanukkah. Um, on Hanukkah, when we daven, we insert a piece in the Al-Hanisim, both in Shemona Esrei and in Benching. And in the Al-Hanisim, we say that the, one of the miracles of the time is that Hashem gave the many into the hands of the few. So the way that most people understand that is that the Greeks were many and the Jews were few, which is true. But really, it means something much even more difficult than that. In the Jewish people, the Torah Jews were the few. And the majority were the Hellenists that were with the Greeks. So the Rabbim Biyad Ma'atim is not only about Greeks versus Jews. The Jewish people were very, very fragmented. And a very great number had drifted away from Torah and Mitzvah at the time. So much so that in this step, number 25... Yosei ben Yoezer, who is the Nasi of the Jewish people, is going to be put to death by his nephew, a Jewish Hellenist, who proclaimed himself Kohen Gadol. And being that he had it in with the Greek authorities, he was in charge. And in the, in the Talmud, and the Medrash, there's a whole story where he's actually leading his uncle, Yosei ben Yoezer, um, to be killed by the Greeks. And he's taunting him, and he says, like, Uncle, look, where did your Torah get you? And I say, I'm, you know, a person of fame, and so on and so forth. And he says, the uncle said certain uh, very powerful things to him at that time, and ultimately he just, um, the, the nephew, who was a, a Hellenist, ran away and ultimately committed, com, com, committed suicide from being heartbroken from what he did. Um, first he killed him, and then he first killed him. Yeah, first he killed his uncle, okay. and then ultimately he, he ran off and committed suicide. But that's just... I'm just, I'm telling you, it's a little snippet, but it's telling you the time that we're talking about here of, of the leadership of the Jewish people. Okay, we'll move on to the next step. And for that, we can look right into our Pirkei Avos. And we come to Mishnah Vav. Mishnah 6. Yehoshua ben Prachia, Vinitai ho'arbeli, kiblu mehem. Again, this is peer number two. Yoshua, son of Prachia, and Nitai from the city of Arbel, received from those who preceded them. So therefore, that becomes number 26 in our chain. Two people, Yoshua ben Prachia and Nitai Ho'arbeli. Now, the first one is the Nasi. Right. Typically, the first one is going to be the Nasi. Yoshua ben Prachia is going to be the Nasi. And Nitai Harbeli, Nitai from the city of Arbel, is going to be the Av Bezdin. Now. So when they killed Yosef ben Yoazer, what happened to Yosef ben Yochanan? He's then no longer ruling? No, no, no. He was still, he he was was still, still there. Yeah, he was still. He was able to get him, not him. Yeah. I don't know exactly how he passed away and when. I don't know all the details. But it's clearly what, what's written but he about. He didn't take over until he also passed. Right, right, right. Right. 
Right. Now, Yoshua ben Prachia in the Talmud had a very famous disciple, another problem for the Jewish people. And that's the one who opened up the Christian religion. Right? Yeah, Yashka, Jesus, really? was a Talmud of Yeshua ben Prachia in the yeshiva. Um, now, there's a lot of history about this and a lot of questions because a lot of the years over there, which Yeshua and Prakhi, because there may have there been, several? there was more, I'm sorry? There were several of those with that name? Yeah. No, not Yeshua and Prakhi, uh-huh. but Yeshu. There are several Yeshus that are in the beginning of the Christian religion, uh-huh. all within that period of time, that hundred years. But the Gemara definitely talks about one, Yeshu Hanotsri, Yeshu the Christian, who was a Talmud of Yeshua and Prakhi. Um, he ultimately went totally off, obviously. And he began his own religion. In fact, according to some Mepharshim, according to some commentaries, when Yeshua ben Prachia says here in Mishnah Vav, he says, Have done as kola adam lekaf schus? Judge every person favorably. He was sort of saying, Maybe I was too harsh with him. Because maybe I was too harsh with him, and that's what pushed him over the, over the brink. And then ultimately he became one of the worst tsars for the Jewish people for thousands of years. You know when the, the, you know the uh, all the different uh, all the different uh, tsarists that happened to Jewish people, the early Christians and the later Christians. Um, so some mefarshim, some of the commentators say that when Yeshua and Prachi says this concept of judging every person favorably, he was really, so to speak, saying from his own experience that sometimes being too harsh as a teacher, even if you have every right to be harsh, and the student has it coming to them, so to speak. But always to be favorable in judgment, you never know how far you're going to push someone. And that's Yeshua ben Prachia. Now, Yeshua ben Prachia himself had to run away from Israel. Um, the king of the Jewish people at that time was Yanai. And Yanai, who was from Chashmonaim descent, but was a total Hellenist, um, and set out on a rampage really to kill the Chachamim of the Torah. So the actual leader of the Jewish people had to run, had to leave Israel, and he took haven in Alexandria, which was in Egypt. Um, for many years, Alexandria and Egypt was a very great center of the Jewish people. Um, Wait, isn't your, is your father from Egypt? Not from Egypt, from Greece. Oh, I remember, it was interesting. But in, I mean, you had, uh, Egypt was a place where you didn't live for years. I mean, the Rambam lived in Egypt. Uh, the Radvaz, the Rizal spent a lot of his time in Egypt. I mean, Egypt was a place that had, for many, many, many years, had great Jewish centers. Um, so at this point in history, when Yeshua ben Prachi is being threatened in the land of Israel by the king Yanai, who's out to get the Chachamim, so Yeshua ben Prachi is, he takes haven in Alexandria. Now, it's just a fascinating story because Yanai sets out to kill the Jewish leaders, the Jewish rabbis. Yanai's wife, uh, his na- her name was, I wrote it down here, was it uh, Shalminon? Shalmish, I think that's the way he said, that's the way it's written. Shalminon Hamalka. So she wasn't a big tzaddikis either. She was married to Yanai. But she had a brother. She wasn't a big tzaddikis? She was not a big tzaddikis. Her husband was, was, uh, was Yanai, was against everything that the Torah. But nevertheless, she had a brother who was a great tzaddik. And his brother, her brother, was name was Shimon ben Shetach. We'll, we'll meet him soon. He's, in the ne- he's one of the next peer. So she hid her brother from her husband. 
You know, I don't know if the uh, if the movie is going to come out soon. Yeah, but. right. It sounds like <laughs> yeah. Yana had this edict out to kill all the chachamim. So her brother, his his wife's the queen, Shalminon Hamalka. His brother-in-law was a great tzaddik and would have was slated to be killed. So the queen had, you know, queen is a queen, and she had palaces and whatever, and she took care of her brother, and she had him hid away somewhere. So we talk about having achdus and everything. They needed to have achdus. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a new problem. We never had it. No, it's not a new problem. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a new problem, no. no. If, that makes it a, if that makes us feel any better. But. No. no. So, you know, we don't learn from history. Well, it's always there's the general and there's every person. Every person can learn and every person can make a better place, and that's what it is. So, so now, so Shimon Shimon ben Shatach stays in hiding until his brother-in-law Yanai dies, and then he sends a message to his rebbe Yoshua ben Prachia, who's in hiding in Egypt, that you can come back. And then he does. And then Yeshua ben Prachet comes back and takes up his position again of leadership. So this is all in, where are we? This is in number 26, right? Mm-hmm. In number 26, when the leaders are Yeshua ben Prachet and Nitai Harabeli. And we oh, see no, how... how uh, I'm sorry? No, it's, 20, it's 26 because it's a pair. We're still in 26. 25. Remember, Yossi ben Yezer and Yos oh, ben Yochanan. No, 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 no. Peers were together. Azug means it's one. It's one number. They led together. So Yosef ben Yehazar and Yosef ben Yochanan are 25. Yeshua ben Prachia and Nitehar Bailey together are 26. But I think you're getting a picture of what type of times we're talking about. People being killed, people running away. I mean, not regular people, the leaders of the Jewish people. Because the ones in control are not the Torah leaders. But, but, but the second day, something fish is standing there. Yes. This is all during the time of the second Beis Hamikdash, right? The second Beis Hamikdash wasn't a wonderful time for the Jewish people. It was nice that we had a Beis Hamikdash, but there was a lot of tzars. And there was only really one good period of time during the entire second Beis Hamikdash, which is right after the Hanukkah miracle when the Chashmonoim won the war. How long did that Not much, because by the time their their children and grandchildren came around, they became Hellenists. The Chashmonoim's children themselves became Hellenists, and that's Yanai was a Chashmonoim descendant. Automatically means a beautiful time, right? Right. No, no, no. Um, okay, this is Yeshua ben Prachi Let's move on to step number twenty-seven, which is the next link in the chain. And if you're looking into your Pirkei Avos over here, we're now going to talk about Mishnah Ches, right? Which starts with the words Yehuda ben Tabai and Shimon ben Shetach. So remember, Shimon Meshetach was the one who was hidden away by his sister and was saved through that. So he becomes one of the next leaders of the Jewish people together with Yehuda ben Tabai. Now, interestingly, there's an interesting piece of information that whereas in all the other peers I told you, the first one is always the Nasi mm-hmm. and the second is the Av Beisdin, in this case, it's a debate in the Talmud. Um, who's, which one was which? Was Yehuda ben Tabai and Shimon Meshetach. I don't know that there's a practical difference or a halachic difference, but in the Talmud there is an interesting discussion between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim many years later where Rabbi Meir felt um, 
I think Reb Meir was of the opinion that Yehuda ben Tabai was the Nasi, and others say the Shimon Moshetach was the Nasi. Okay, it doesn't matter. Either way, they serve together um, in that um, in that uh, in that leadership. And that was Yehuda ben Tabai, Shimon ben Shetach. Um, it's interesting. The Gemara says an interesting story that Shimon ben Shetach was the leader, and he sat in the Sanhedrin, right? Because he was the Avbezdin. The problem is the majority of the Sanhedrin didn't really believe in the Torah. Because they were there because of Hellenist powers. So here he's the Avbezin, and he's a tremendous Sadiq, and he's supposed to work with these people, but they're not on the same page. So, but the Gemara says that he was so brilliant as a human being that he was able to, one by one, he was able to argue with them and show them that their what they were saying doesn't make sense. And to the point where he was able to show everyone that, that these people don't know what they're doing, and one by one they had to leave the Sanhedrin. And ultimately, he was able to bring in Rabbanim and reintroduce a proper Sanhedrin. And the Gemara says that and the day when he was able to get the last non-believer out of the Sanhedrin, the, the uh, Klal Yisrael made it a Yom Tif. It was a day celebrated that Sanhedrin is finally a kosher Sanhedrin again. And that was during the time of this great tzaddik of Shimon ben Shetach. Who, so, hold on one so there was a time that the Sanhedrin was made up of these Yeah, the Kohen the was. They had the Kohen. They were they were the ruling party. They were had in with the Greek um, authorities, and they had the power, and they put in whoever they wanted. So it took someone of his wisdom to be able to, you know, you could be sitting there, but he showed them they didn't know what they were saying, and they didn't know the sources, and they couldn't show what they were saying from the Torah. And he was able to somehow. This is a, this is a, brought out as a description of his greatness as a human being and as a tzaddik to be able that even though they're the ruling party to be able to show them that he can't, they're not worthy of sitting in there. And he was yeah, able to purge that from the there. That was all during that time. This is that time. They knew they were going to die but still they wanted to be the Kohen Gadol even though were a fit Kohen Gadol and they went to the base and they died. And the Kodesh Kedashim and they died. But still they were working and they wanted that position and then they... This is all in that period. This story that you're talking about is in the yeah. same exact same period that we're talking about right now. Okay, number 28. In our Mishnayas, that would be... I think I think what more than everything what, what this tells us not contradicting what you're saying is that there was always the one emissator and then there was all different types of factions there always was like the concept that today you hear there's a reform or this or the other there always was factions that went off on the side and they and then they disappeared at every point that faction lasted for that's 50 60 70 80 hope. years I guess that's that's the, that's the whole. Like, they disappear, and the Amos comes back. And that, that's the story of our... That's why the is saying, look at these 40 steps and exactly where it came from. Sometimes those people were accepted by everyone. Sometimes they weren't accepted by everyone. But what they taught and their teachings continue until today. Yeah. But it's still sad that all those people right. lost. Right, right, right. It's very sad. It's very sad. You know, Hashem does not take away Bechira from people. So even in times when there's... In a much, much greater state of revealed godliness and whatever, there's still Bechira, there's still freedom of choice. There's always freedom of choice and how to, how to, um, how to deal with, with life. The Yiddisher wants us to think and question, you know, 
but then you have to know where... He wants us to find are. the right guidance, and he wants yeah. us to understand, and so on and so forth, right? Right? Okay, this is already becoming the more philosophical side of it. Um, <laughs> this is the emotional side. It's a very important class. It's just a different one. Okay, Mishnah Yud, we meet a most fascinating new step. And that is Shmaya and Avtalyom. Shmaya and Avtalyon are the fourth set, right? It's the fourth zug. And they are number 28 on our broader list that started from Moshe Rabbeinu. What's unique about Shmaya and Avtalyon is it's the first time in the history of the Jewish people that the two Torah leaders of the Jewish people are both converts. Shmaya and Avtalyon are converts, and not just converts. They're converts from a family that has very, very, what's the right word? Uh, dubious, is that the word? <laughs> Distinction. Their great-grandfather, both of them, was Sancheriv. Who was Sancheriv? Sancheriv was the king of Assyria, and he was the one who exiled the ten tribes. Right? You'll recall at some point when we were going through this, um, during the time of the first Beis HaMikdash, I'm going to throw out a number, about 250 to 300 years into the first base Hamikdash, the 10 tribes are exiled. <coughs> They're exiled by the Assyrians, who were at that point, the probably the most powerful nation around. Um, the Assyrians ultimately are going to fall to the Babylonians. But before they fall, the Assyrians are uh, successful in, um, in exiling the 10 tribes. And I think we mentioned a couple of years ago, that's one of the standing mysteries of the Jewish people, you know, exactly where the terms are, who they are, we're not going to go there again. But be that as it may, this Sancheirev had descendants who converted, and two of them became the leaders of the Jewish people. Sancheirev was the grandfather? Yeah, well, a great, a great, great. I don't know how many generations. But they are descendants, they were both descendants of Sancheirev. It's not, I have to... Correct myself, it's not clear to me if they converted or their parents converted, but they were definitely considered converts from families of converts. Um, and again, family, not just I'm a family, but families of one of the, you know, one of the Hitlers against the, of the Jew, against the Jewish people. You know, we're not talking about a small time, uh, uh, you know, a person with an Aveira or two. We're talking about a mass murderer. And nevertheless, and this is one of the interesting things in history that, how there's good hidden in the worst places and sparks of goodness and sparks of Kedusha that come from who knows where. And Shmaya and Aftalion are clearly an example of that. And they're an example that's mentioned in Sfarim, especially in Sfarim of Kabbalah, to talk about the concept of souls and how souls get wind up in different places and so on and so forth. And sometimes the holiest and greatest of souls can really come from places that seem to be the worst. Um, and this is an example of that. So that's Shmaya and Aftalion, who... Are um, who are living at this time? It's 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 akin to that. It's that type of a thing. It's that type of a thing. They were the leaders of the Kali Yisrael at the time. Now, Shmaya and Avtalyon, again. So they're so for our numbers. They're number four as far as the Zugos are concerned, and number twenty-eight in the bigger picture. Historically. They're at a very important time as well. 
Because all of this is really under Greek rule. Well, the last really probably about 300 years. It, Greek rule started with Alexander the Great. I think I mentioned that then it was called Macedonian, but that became Greek. And the Greeks are then going to fall to the Romans. And once the Romans start, that's the beginning of the end of the second Beis HaMikdash. Shmaya and Avtalion are living during that pivotal time, that change where the Greeks and the Romans are fighting and the Greeks are going to fall to the Romans. It's at this point where Shmaya and Avtalion are leading the Jewish people. And they are going to have disciples. And the next, the next step is going to be a very important step. And that is the final step of the Zugos. And that is going to be in, in the Mishnahis. It's in Mishnah Yud Beis, Hillel and Shammai. Now Hillel is, became, is very famous and we'll see soon for many reasons. Hillel and Shammai are disciples of Shmaya and Avtalion. Are and they under the Romans or the Greeks? So the beginning of Roman, the beginning of the Roman dominion. The Romans are going to rule for 100 years before they destroy the Besamekdash. The last 100 years of the second Besamekdash is under Roman rule. So ultimately, 100 years later, the Romans are going to destroy it. And that's through Titus, Titus. Um, who's obviously a Roman emperor. But the Romans first rule 100 years beforehand. Hillel becomes the Nasi. Hillel becomes the leaders, the leader 100 years before the destruction. Now, Hillel, it's a, there's a very fascinating story how Hillel became the leader. It wasn't, it wasn't automatic. Um, when, when Shmaya and Aftalion pass on, there's a period of time where there's no clear, distinguished one leader. It wasn't clear who's, who's the one. So when they're both gone, there is a de facto leadership, and that is of a family, and they're called B'nai Becerra. Children of Becerra. Becerra was a great man, and he had children. They were Chachamim. They were, you know, Talmidah Chachamim, and they were obviously from and pious and so on. They're called B'nai, the sons of Becerra. Their father was Becerra, and he had a few sons. I think one was Yehuda, I don't remember. A few sons, and together they, they led, because there wasn't anyone else. Now, Hillel himself, oh, most of this was going on in Israel. Hillel wasn't really Israeli-born. Hillel was born in Bavel. Because remember, Bavel always remained the center of Judaism as well. We've discussed that. Hillel comes from Bavel. But Hillel would come to Israel to learn by Shmaya and Aftalia, because those were his rabbis. So the, the Talmud tells us in Tractate Psachim, a very interesting story that happened. It says that one year, um, Pesach fell out on Sunday. Okay. Um, which happens nowadays too, does it? Or does it or doesn't it? Well, yeah, it does. Sunday, yes, right? yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Sunday, yes, it does. Yeah. So Pesach falls on Sunday. So far, now what's the problem with Pesach falling on a Sunday? Problem is like this. Nowadays, I mean, it has its own issues, set of issues. But mm-hmm. in the time of the Pesach Mikdash, the issue was the primary issue was erev Pesach. You have to bring the carbon Pesach. The carbon Pesach was a carbon that all of Klal Yisrael would bring. It was a major carbon, um, and the question arose in that time: Are you allowed to bring the carbon Pesach on Shabbos? Again, Pesach is Sunday, Erev Pesach is Shabbos. May you or may you not bring the carbon Pesach on Shabbos? Now, 
which is a very interesting halachic question. And the reason what's behind the question is, we know, may you bring karbonos in general on Shabbos? Yes. So oh, the, the answer is yes and no. It depends which karbon, right? Communal karbonos, like the karbon tamid or the karbon musaf, that was brought on Shabbos. And that's why on Shabbos we mention those karbonos. But what if you had a private karbon? Uh, chatos, a person did a sin, or an asham, or for birth, a woman gives birth. There's different private karbonos. Those you're not allowed to bring on Shabbos. So a halachic question arises. What is the status of the karbon Pesach? Is it like a Shabbos karbon, or is it like a private karbon? How do we look at it? And somehow no one knows the answer. Or no one knows it at least to be able to say it, you know, unequivocally. You know, people, they said, maybe, maybe, I think, and it could be. But no one was able to stand up and say, I know. Right? It's not the type of thing that you can, you know, let's hash it out and decide. Right. So, so the B'nai B'Seira, who are leading the Jewish people, there's like a quandary going on. And they ask, is there any Chachamim that know what is the tradition that's passed down from Moshe Rabbeinu? And Hillel says, <laughs> But they never had this issue. So that's a, that, so that's a fascinating question. I'll, I'll ask you to hold that question for a moment. But we, we, barring that question, Hillel stands up and says, Yes, you can bring the carbon Pesach on Shabbos. So they ask him, How do you know? So he says, well, I could infer it from the verses, this Pasuk and that Pasuk, and you put them together, and I'll, I'll prove it to you that it's okay. So they said, okay, you know, you could infer it from the verses, perhaps we can argue with you. You know, it's your way of explaining the verses. And that's when Hillel Hill says, no. It's not just I had a nice idea. This is what I received, what I heard from Shmaya and Avtalion, who they were the previous link in the chain of the transmission of Torah from Meshur Rabbeinu. I'm not just telling you a nice thought that I had or a nice, you know, I thought of an interesting idea. This is, this is, the, this is the Torah that I was taught from Shmaya and Once he said that, case closed. And then we have one of the great stories or tells us about the greatness of people. The Bnei Becerra said, you know what? You're the leader, not us. Wow. If you know the Messiah, if you're a Talmud, a Shmayin, of Talion, and you know what they said, then you're the one who's supposed to be the next leader. They stepped down, and Hillel assumed to become the Nasi of the Jewish people at that time. So a fascinating story of how Hillel became accepted, and how the, even though there was another group that was leading, and they were fine people, they were abundant, they weren't, you know, they, they, were, they were good people, but they recognized that they weren't the ones who were the Bali Masora. They didn't have the Masora with its clarity and its purity like Hillel did. They stepped aside. Hillel became the Nasi. Even though they were also Talmud Yeah, but, you know, like, they, like, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't on that level. Right? They weren't on that level. So they, every Rebbe and every Nasi had many Talmudim. The question was which one was the one who was able to, you know, retain the purity of his teachings. And that was Hillel. They didn't have an eco. Right. No, that's, that's, a, right. that's a tremendous thing. Yeah, no, that's a tremendous thing. How many people step down from right. a sort of position exactly. of leadership? That's not the, yeah. that's, that's not that's something that's typically done. They were. Right. 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 So that's yeah, for, the for sure. Yeah. So so so, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. just that Hill happened to know that halacha. 
Hillel was great on every level. It is level anyway. And Hillel, you know, there's so many stories about Hillel, and Hillel was the one who, like you mentioned, went on the roof to hear the Torah from Shmaya and Avtalion. Remember, it's the same Shmaya and Avtalion. Hillel went on the roof to hear the Torah that Shmaya and Avtalion were teaching. Shmaya and Avtalion said that from now on Hillel comes in for free because Hillel was destitute. Hillel was a person who was destitute, and nevertheless he would just come to learn Torah. And, and he couldn't pay to get in the front door. That's when he went onto the roof to listen through the window. Um, the, the sky, uh, what's it called? The, the skylight. And then it started snowing and he became, he fell unconscious there because he was so involved in the study of Torah. He didn't realize that the snow was covering him. So Hill was a very, was, was one of the great chachamim of the Jewish people. One of the greatest of, of always, you know, always Hill's rulings are, are, are followed. Um, and Hill, so Hill becomes leader. Shammai is his lieutenant or, or the Av Bezdin. Like we said, because that's the final step of Pierce, right? And that's Hillel and Shammai. Um, but now something very interesting is going to happen. And this is going to be very important to remember, especially as we go through our next steps in, our, in this year. The Nisiu, first of all, this is the end of the Pierce. That's, that's Pier number five, and that's it, right? We talked about the five Pierce. We had um, uh, Yosef ben Yoezer and Yosef ben Yochanan, Yeshua ben Prachi and Niteir Bailey. Yehuda ben Tabai, Shimon ben Shatach, um, uh, Shmaya and Avtalion, Hillel Shammai. Those are the five sets of peers, right? So this is it. Now, from this time on, for many generations, the leadership is going to remain in the family of Hillel. We're going to see it's going to be his son and his son and his son and his son. You know, it's, it's almost like um, the Alter Rebbe and the Mithra Rebbe and the Semachsedek. Hillel was this awesome type of a tzaddik, and he was able to bring that into his children, and, and Enichlach. So much so that, I don't mean to skip ahead of ourselves right now, but who's going to be the one who's going to write the first book of the oral tradition? Who's going to, who's going to be the first one to put it down in writing? Yehuda the, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi is seventh generation son after son from Hillel. So from Hillel, the next seven generations is going to bring us to Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Right? But that's getting, that's getting a little bit ahead of, our, ahead of ourselves. So Hillel and Shammai are number 29 in the broader list over here of the, of the Nisias. And I, I mentioned already that Hillel began, um, he began his leadership 100 years before the destruction of the Holy Temple. Right? Of the Second Holy Temple. And it's just after the Romans really take over. And that is with the rule of Herod. Hurdus. In the Gemara he's called Hurdus. In the world he's called Herod. Some people call him Herod the Great. Some people call him Herod the Madman. He was a mass murderer. He was a great builder. Some of the most beautiful buildings today in Israel are from Hurdus. He's in that Yes, Hillel is during the time of Hurdus, of Herod. Herod is the one who gave the second base of Mikdash its ultimate facelift. So Herod, on the one hand, is killing Chachamim right and left, but then he decides to you know, redo the second base of Mikdash. Because he loved building. And he built beautiful structures. What Mara Samach he rebuilt. Base of Mikdash rebuilt. And he built in Egypt, and he built throughout the world. He was a, an emperor. And he, had, he did what he wanted. So he was a madman, he was a builder, he was terrible for the Jewish people, he was also good for the Jewish people in different ways, so 
That was all in that time when Hillel assumes leadership. I'm sorry? She said schizophrenia. Yeah, very, it sounds very much like that, actually. When you read about Herod, that's what it sounds like. He would kill at will and then build at will and this yeah. crazy person. Um, and this is when Hillel comes into leadership. Now, Hillel is going to have many disciples, many great disciples. Um, this is really, the Hillel's, when Hillel becomes Nasi, this is really where we consider the beginning of the era that we call the era of the Tanoim, the sages of the Mishnah. Um, Hillel is considered, Hillel and Shammai, really the beginning of the sages of the Mishnah. And he has many Talmidim, I'll just mention two, um, and we'll finish with that for tonight. Now these two I'm going to mention are not links in our numbers. Okay? So I'm just mentioning great tzaddikim of the time. The Gemara says that the greatest of Hillel's Talmidim was a tzaddik, his name was Yonason ben Uziel. Um, has anyone here ever heard of the graveside of in, in Amukah? Amukah is where people typically might go for Shiduchim. Many go there for an Amuka. That is the great site of Jonas and Ben Uziel, who was the greatest of Hillel's disciples. That's right. That's very close to Tzfas, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, okay, I haven't it's been. It's a really weird place. Right, you have yeah, to go down and down and down, right? Really scary going really down. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Jonas and Ben Uziel. Um, again, I, I plead my being a Koyan. That got me out of that oh, too. Right? Like, as I say, you're in no, no, but um, yeah. as a kind, I don't go to, primarily to the cemeteries, uh, even, even of Sadiqim. But I know many people do go to Yenis and Azil. And the Gemara says about him, just to bring out the Kedusha, he says when he would study Torah, there was such a powerful Kedusha that if a bird would fly over him, the bird would die. That's what it says. Now, I don't really understand how that works, but the, the Torah that gave such a fire, such a heat, such an energy, that it was like electricity. Like, uh, that's what it says about Yenis and Azil. Was the base of Mikdash destroyed during Hillel's time? No, no, no. It's too old. Right, right. We'll see, it's his grand, during his grandson's time. We'll get to that, we'll get to that. Um, but another and much more, fa by the way, Yonas and Ozil wrote a, a, one of the most important trans, um, not translation, yeah, I guess translation of the Torah, the Targum. The first, one of the most important Targums is the Targum Yonas and Ben Uziel. There's also a Targum Unculus, which is a different story. Oh, oh. Different generation. But earlier than Unculus, we have the Targum of Yonas and Ben Uziel. In many Chumashim it's printed. He's one of the early and most authoritative translators of the Torah into Aramaic. Um, and that's Yonas and Ben Uziel. But Hillel has another disciple who's far more famous and far more instrumental in the teachings of Torah. And that is the great Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai who we will discuss, God willing, is an important part of our story, though he's not one of the links of the chain, and we'll see why, but he's very instrumental in the teaching and the continuation of Torah, and he is also a great disciple of Hillel Hazakin. So the Gemara says that Hillel Hazakin had 120 great disciples that were on such a great level of holiness, the Gemara says that the least of them had the ability to be Mechaye Mason, to revive the dead. <laughs> Like Eliyahu Hanavi and Elisha, the smallest of his disciples, that's what it says, was on the level of Eliyahu Hanavi or Elisha that were able to Mechaya Mason. So we're talking about a tremendous period of suffering on one hand, but greatness of Torah and greatness of Kedusha on the other end. And this is the era, again, towards the end of the second Beis Mikdash, led by the great Hillel, who led the Jewish people for many years. Hillel lived to be 120 years old. So he, he um, 
when he, if I'm not mistaken, I think when he assumes leadership, he's 40 already. So he has 80 years after that. So he still dies before the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed. But he leaves the Jewish people for many years, um, and he is number 29 on our list. And that's where we'll conclude for tonight, and we'll continue next week in Mirsa Hashem. Thank you.